Welcome to Winning with Data Driven Marketing Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Waz.ai Market Research. I'm Julie, your host in this podcast, and in every single episode, we talk to industry leaders, marketers, and growth experts in Asia about how they use data to enhance the ROI in their marketing activities. We bring you real case studies while giving you background on how these leaders build their career to where they are today. We'll bring you to our speaker shortly after a quick word from our sponsor. Was.ai Market Research is an AI-powered digital research platform that can help you understand your target customer as quick as 24 hours from as low as $1,000. For those who are having questions about what your target customer think about your brand, your ads, or your product, you are guaranteed reliable findings that can help you build better branding, advertising campaign, and launch a more successful product. Find out more at www.base.ai. It's www.base.ai. And use the promo code PODCAST to get your first 10% off. Now, back to the show. Hey, very excitingly is Ravi Shankar, the current CMO of Carsim Group, uh, which we all know is Southeast Asia's largest car e-commerce platform. Uh, Ravi is also previously Chief Growth Officer of AirAsia. So Ravi is having 15 years of experience in bridging the gap between not just marketing, but technology and data. And that's why, you know, we are very excited to have you today. Uh, thank you for joining us, Ravi. Thank you. Thank you, Julie. Thanks for having me. Since 2008, you're already in marketing analytics, which I presume at that moment, marketing analytics is not really a thing yet. Um, so I'm very curious, you know, why do you choose that career? And can you take us back to your career starting point and share with us, how do you get to where you are today? Okay. Okay. That's, that's a long journey. So, but yeah, I'll try to keep it short. Uh, basically, I'm a, I'm a computer science engineer. Uh, and uh, I've started my job as uh, a PHP developer, uh, and and I started to play with my computers because my dad used to own a computer institute that teaches computers, right? It was a thing back then. Uh, so, uh, and then I started coding, and I got my first job as a PHP developer, and I started to build websites, and and then, and it was a startup, and the the CEO said, "Hey, uh, you build the website for us, so can you make it popular?" It's like, okay. I am not a marketing guy. I back then the concept of marketing is just to sell a physical good, right? So now you created a digital good, and how do you market it, and where do you market it? And then I started researching about it. Uh, then when it, that's when I understood uh, SEO. That's when I understood paid marketing and in search ads and stuff, right? So uh, at the, the moment I went into the paid ads uh, side of things, the data started to flow in, right? So uh, it it the data was initially very little, right? So, oh, you could optimize with your naked eyes. So, okay, this is this is high, this is low, let's make this change to stand, right? So, and then slowly uh, that data started to grow uh, quite a bit because we started to run more campaigns, right? So, uh, and I started to play with it a bit more and I joined a different startup who, solely focuses on paid marketing. Uh, and that's when I shifted from my PHP developing career to a paid marketing career. And I started to play 
bit more and kind of spend a lot more, right? Back then, I used to spend about one fifty thousand US a day. Uh, Fifteen years ago, that was a huge amount. Uh, so, and I was uh, coming from a small town in India. That was a huge money, right? That's like what celebrities make. So I was a bit overwhelmed about the amount of money I used to spend every day, right? So I used to be very careful on uh, the decisions that I make. And I started to kind of slowly uh, structure the data in the bed. I used to optimize campaigns in a way. I used to wake up at 2 a.m. and see, okay, if the campaigns are performing well and then make changes and stuff. Uh, and then I cracked the interview with Yahoo, uh, who were a dominant search engine back then as well. And then that's when I started to handle multiple clients' uh, campaigns, but there was no way I could optimize those campaigns with my naked eye. So I started putting all the data into Excel and then uh, st and started to analyze the data in Excel by visualizing, by learning some macros. And, you know, I used to be that power user without using a mouse, using a lot of shortcuts and stuff. Uh, and then uh, that was a really good uh, experience for me on uh, and a really good revelation of, okay, this data is getting out of hand. Uh, and I spent a couple of years in Yahoo and then a couple of classified companies there and then joined the Google programmatic team, uh, which Google was actually setting up. So I was part of that team where uh, Google just acquired a business called Invite Media and like any other product, they're painting with Google colors and trying to make it like a Googly thing. And then I was working with the with the product managers to uh, help them out in, in building this platform and enhancing the features of this platform. So it's basically a DSP. Uh, it's a demand side platform to buy ads and stuff. So I was working with the product managers and stuff. And then the challenge there was, uh, I was working with these huge clients like Netflix, Google Chrome was one of the client and Facebook was one of the client for them. But the problem was the data was out of hand. It, it's out of, Google Sheets, it's out of uh, Excel, it was too huge. So then that, and then I was introduced to BigQuery where, you know, uh, the data is sitting in the databases. And then for me to request the right amount of data or the right data sets, I had to learn SQL. And I started to query and stuff and then uh, connect with the data visualization platforms and everything. Uh, so uh, it suddenly, what I thought would be a marketing job kind of started to evolve into some analytics job, right? But analyzing marketing data, right? And then I moved to uh, Malaysia for a, for a startup, which is an agency, uh, which uh, kind of gave me the opportunity to just still keep in touch with the analytics staff and also do some marketing, uh, performance marketing and stuff, which is uh, what I perfected over the years. Uh, and then uh, I set up an analytics team for them as well. I set up a performance team. It went really good about for two years. There's a company called Lionel Lion. Uh, and then I uh, I met the chief data officer of uh, AirAsia. And he told me that, hey, we have huge amount of data. And, uh, and I, I think we can use it uh, in marketing and apply. Uh, a lot more optimizations to the marketing spends and Eurasia is known for its uh, marketing, right? So, and it's a huge brand. And that challenge really intrigued me because uh, what you get 
from an airline back then was a very structured data, right? So, uh, and how do you apply that structured data into marketing campaigns was a challenge. And I went there, I worked with multiple teams, uh, slowly my role evolved from marketing to commercial, to growth, to product owner and so on and so forth. And then after that, uh, after a good five years there, and then I moved to Carzum, pretty much doing very similar things there. So yeah, uh, I think that's the, uh, that's the story of how it evolved and where I am right now. Really well. I'm curious, in, in a lot of your career, I noticed actually at each point of time, it is actually a tough challenge at least at that point of time, because it wasn't figured out yet. So if I were to take a point of time, uh, an example, let's take the AirAsia example when you go in. How do you how do you go about, what's your thought process? How do you think about what do you start first, given that you know all the structured data are not necessarily in one place for you to make sense of? Actually, by the time I went there, uh, they already started a bit of their digital transformation. Uh, which is they're moving moving from their uh, uh, on-premise to cloud, so which made my life very easy, and the data was very structured. But the challenge was always uh, the data is there, the platforms is there, but what do I do to make uh, this better for me to get that understanding? I had to understand the business well, and I am not a travel guy, uh, never. Interesting. Uh, so I'm not a travel guy, and I mean, I, I'm not still not into cars as well. Uh, so I learned driving a couple of years ago. <clears throat> so it's just been there, right? So uh, it is. It is. It is very interesting problem for me because uh, it's a very complex business. It's a huge business. There is ground operations. There is uh, flight ops. Uh, there is network. There is commercial. There is brand and everything. So. Uh, Again, one again, one good thing was I was uh, based in uh, an uh, awesome office called Erisha Red Q, which is one of the best offices in the world. And the opportunity for me to go around the office and talk to multiple teams and multiple people from treasury to engineering, from procurement to network, really helped me understand the business. Uh, and and uh, I used to clock in about 10,000 steps a day in the office because it was huge and I was going around and talking to people and stuff. Uh, and then I figured out, okay, what are the top priorities uh, for marketing uh, and how do we apply that? What is the roadmap? And then I started doing things because <clears throat> is the data available? I could have taken decisions and stuff, but if I don't connect with the business problem, uh, it doesn't really uh, make any sense because it just gives you the very local uh, local maxima, right? What we want is a global maxima that impacts at a business level, right? So uh, that helped me. And in short, understanding the business first uh, and then figuring out which data to pick uh, from the humongous corpus of uh, data that you have and apply it to marketing was the the difficult part, but once you figured it out, the steps ahead for me was very clear. And my boss back then was uh, a travel veteran who, who understands the data well, who could see things uh, much ahead of uh, any of us. So 
that that kind of helped me to kind of you know skip some of the steps and mistakes a nice gotcha so combining the business problem uh and and making sure we dig from that before we choose what data to look into and on that note right um so you obviously tried a lot of marketing strategies i can see on your linkedin you know i know you you say you know this is not for human <laughs> this is for algorithm purposes and boom so among those right like or or maybe more than those even what are some of the most effective marketing strategies you have used so uh, basically most of the marketing strategies that i've used uh, from a from a growth perspective right so uh, see there are quite a lot of cmos out there who came from a very uh, uh, traditional media perspective like they are really good at uh, coming up with uh, good media of billboards tvs and stuff they exactly know what tv spot to pick up and stuff they are they are that, that experts and there are cmos who are really good at brand strategy right so they can build a brand and they can create a person around the brand and or enhance the person around the brand and they have a really good eye for creative uh, and and i come from a different kind of a, a, a place where i i i use data and technology uh, and that, those are the levers that i pull the most right so i, I i'm not saying i'm an expert in uh, data and technology but i know uh, I, to use it uh, the right way uh for for some of these strategies that i kind of tested over the years uh but i had fortunately i had a really good team that uh knows the brand well that owns the creative well that knows the media well so uh, a couple of strategies are going back to okay what exactly is the business problem the business problem let's say for one of the for erasure was again uh there are quite a few uh routes right so call them for singapore as a route singapore call them for as a route and then we wanted to rank organically in all the search engines and then uh, then we figured out okay how many pages do we need and then the pages were about came up to almost uh, 7000 pages because every route every combination every airport and stuff so it's like okay so if i have to write 7000 pages in multiple languages uh, where it is present across that multiplies to about 50000 right so how do i solve this it's not something i i'm going to hire a a, a huge uh, a content company somewhere in uh, india or in china to write this stuff so uh, what we decided is to okay let's take a technology approach uh, we worked with a, a couple of companies uh, one based in us one in here and took all the data that we have the route information and stuff and passed it to a to an api build an api on top of that so it basically created uh all the combinations of the routes and and it also created the pages and what it also did is it created a template of content right meaning okay uh you fly from here to here uh and this is the conditions of the airport this is the good this is the weather of the destination this is the currency used in destination so it's a template of content it's a content like you said it's not for human human for human it's a very bland informational content it doesn't give any excitement for them but it's a really good content for search engine so uh the moment we figured it out we launched those pages the first 7000 pages uh google started crawling it and then we started ranking for it 
uh, and uh, and then we we built all multiple uh, other languages as well. So there are about forty thousand pages now, right? So all those pages were programmatically launched and not really uh, handwritten by a human, right? So which would have not been possible. So then again, uh, some of the pages started to rank quite well. And then what we realized is if these pages started to rank and the content is bad, it's it's not going to be, a, it's not been sustainable, right? So then we, the human content writers spent only time on those pages that are ranking on the top and making the content, you know, a bit more appealing and not really robotic, right? So, uh, so the approach was uh, to build all the pages first, launch all of them first, figure out which one to focus on, and then put the human effort in there. Uh, but the, the basic problem for business we're trying to solve is we need to get more organic traffic. Uh, and, and, you know, and uh, the problem again is which, which routes to choose from. There are quite, quite a lot, which one to prioritize and what are the, so for, uh, if I say, Hey, if, if the business says, says this particular route is really important for me, build a page for it and make it rank. I can't, it's not up to me whether the page ranks or not, but for me to launch all the pages, all the combinations together and figure out which one ranks first and applying human content after it ranks and started to really enhance it. solves a lot of business problem and addresses business problem as well. So that's one of the strategies. It's, it's a typical marketing problem solved by technology and with uh, the, some of the amazing folks uh, who, who helped me from technology standpoint. And uh, and again, uh, the culture of the organization to kind of embrace that, right? So it's a, it's a mix of that. I love this case study. And if I may ask, this is a strategy you use back in the years. Do you think such strategies will still work nowadays if today listeners are listening to this and try to emulate some some portion of it? Uh, it is a... It's a very specific, uh, it would become a very different question at this point, right? So uh, if organizations have a scale to build lots of pages and deploy a lot of pages, when you really have the problem of having so many products and SKUs and stuff, right? So this solution might still work uh, because it's not like a paid uh feature right here i have if if i'm talking about shopee uh, shopee goes and asks to the seo manager saying i want this product to be organically ranked so go build a page make it rank it's not it doesn't work like that but if the seo manager or head of shopee builds pages for every single product out there and then five percent of them rank that makes a huge difference right so the approach is uh, you are building for algorithms, right? So when you when it comes to search engine optimization, you can't really dictate what ranks. You just have to figure out, throw everything at it, see which one ranks and enhances later. I think this pretty much still applies to the current uh, state of uh, search right now. But with with search moving from Google search to Bard and ChatGPT. I don't know. It's 
it might not be the case for the next coming couple of years or, or so. So there is one common question that some marketers face, especially when they haven't figured out a channel that would work to say drive acquisitions of leads, right? Uh, then they would have to actually figure out which channel would works. I'm curious if you have any thoughts here that you can impart for, for marketers who are going on to this journey, do not know which channel works yet. Uh, and how do they actually gone on to figure out which channel will actually works for the acquisition? There are multiple answers to this question, right? So, and it's very subjective uh, uh, because what you're essentially asking is the famous or like question of marketing attribution, right? So, uh, and marketing attribution, like you just mentioned, is a rabbit hole, right? So uh, there is never an end to it. Uh, from a macro standpoint, you are trying to see which channel works by but when you're using the two biggest wall gardens right or now three with tiktok out there and stuff right so these guys don't talk to each other right so and and no amount of data will give you 100 percent accuracy of which channel is the best performing channel right uh the second one is uh, uh there is an impression level attribution right so someone saw something and then went on bought something which is there is no digital footprint there, but there is an intent, right? So you can't track that, right? That uh, That is number two. And uh, the third problem for attribution is, again, uh, you need to invest time and a lot of resources into it, right? So, and, and it becomes complex for businesses which, uh, which involves an offline touch point. Uh, so if you're a pure SaaS company and a pure e-commerce player, your attribution problem, I mean, the third problem might get easier because you still have the first two problems. The third problems will get easier. But if you're a company with an offline touch point where you can buy both online and offline, uh, you are in that rabbit hole uh, and then you might never come back. So uh, it just depends on the size of the business and the type of the business. If the size of the business is small and it's pretty straightforward, uh, any Google Analytics platform will actually help you, give you the basic attribution. Uh, but again, uh, I would suggest them to go with incrementality rather than attribution. So, uh, so this, do the simple tests of turn off the channel, figure out what's your baseline, turn it on again, see if it's getting incremental. As long as all these mixes are getting, giving the, the incrementality, uh, you can come out of the mindset of, oh, what is my CAC for this channel? What is my CAC for this channel? It's like, no, just look at the CAC for the entire marketing efforts, right? So, and then see if, if you can get incrementality out of it. So yeah, just summarize it. Don't fall into the attribution hole. It's an expensive MarTech tech effort and data effort uh, and focus on incrementality. Oh, loving this, loving this, because uh, I, I used to hear a lot of debates around attribution. And and let's face it, until today, that is really still unsolved. So this is before AirAsia trans, trans, uh, transformed into a super app. Right? I was part of that journey that was super exciting, but this was a very specific example of airline. So the moment a flight takes off with an empty seat, it's a perishable. You can't get that back. Right. So you can't sell it. Right. You can't monetize it. 
right? So uh, what we were figuring out is, okay, uh, there was a, what should Google search prioritize? Which, which route should I prioritize or which route should I invest more? And again, it's a problem of scale because you have thousands of routes, right? And, and uh, you can't, it's not a human decision. So the amazing data team there uh, uh, was, was having sitting with a lot of structured data and we give, gave them the problem of, hey, predict based on the previous data, predict what routes are gonna be the focus in the next 10 days or the 20 days. Right, and that's a simple prediction for them, and then they did an amazing job for it. And we picked out those routes, uh, and I already mentioned you the example of very specific pages that we have for SEO, right? So, uh, and uh, we work with Google, and Google has this product called Double Click Search. So, with combination of all these tools together, what happens is, let's say if that algorithm came out with, hey, this route needs an attention today right then what it triggers is it triggers the google search uh double double click search which creates an ad from the page itself so no one writes the ad it creates the ad by the page itself which is a feature already valuable because we have very specific pages and very specific content for each product uh it's easier for them to uh, it's easy for the tool to write the very specific ad right and then uh, the campaign template is already set that we created in the in the platform, and uh, the campaign is live. That's if someone searches for a specific dog, that based because this campaign is live, our bids are high. We appear on the top, uh, and uh, we tend to get more clicks for that specific route. What we are doing here essentially is again bridging the gap between the identification of business problem and going to market. So this is the moment that you figured out that this is the problem, there is a solution. It might not be the best solution out there because you know I can launch a campaign about uh, Japan and which takes a lot of time and creative and stuff, but there is something running immediately in the next five to 10 minutes. But, uh, Take that in a typical scenario of I, I identified the business problem. What happens then? The, the pricing team then conveys the problem to uh, the marketing team. And marketing team briefs uh, the, the team in-house on this is the problem, figure, create a solution for it. Worse if they have an agency because they have to go for an agency and then brief the agency and they come up with a solution. They create approval process and, and the campaign goes live and stuff, right? So, but there is nobody addressing the problem immediately, right? And these automated solutions will have those things live uh, and doing something uh, because the problem already started. So yeah, so so so, so bridging the gap was the uh, uh, the business problem, and we kind of figured out a solution, a marketing technology solution that addresses the problem immediately. I, how do you decide if a certain experiment or a certain solution is going well or not? So like you say, not everything necessarily goes as planned and not necessarily everything would, would rank as high as what you wanted, right? So how do you pick and choose? I mean, in, in, this, in this specific example, in the previous example of 
uh, pages, I did not choose. I launched everything, <laughs> right? So the, my solution was to address everything at scale, uh, an imperfect solution, but addresses everything, and then figure out later on which to focus on. Right. So uh, yeah, in in it is very hard uh, to decide what to do when you have a lot of products and a lot of problems. So you, yeah. That's why the lever you pull is using data and technology. Your two case study help us to see, you know, the ROI of leveraging this lever instead to achieve skill. And a lot of times, answer the uncertainty with data itself. What's the biggest challenge you face when using data itself to help solve? <laughs> well, see, the challenges aren't really with the data, right? The challenges are really applying the data uh, and building products on top of it, right? So uh, a couple of challenges uh, is uh, when the organization don't have a, a good measurement framework, right, on how to measure marketing or the efforts of marketing, right, all different channels of marketing, right? So uh, for, for example, uh, a campaign, a bank is running a campaign to uh, December's more loans, right? So what they're running is a lead campaign, right? And the success of the campaign is how many loads, loans are finally approved, right? So the what typically that business measures is what is the cost for each loan approval, right? So I spent a uh, 100,000 on uh, marketing dollars on Google and Facebook, I've uh, approved 100,000 loans, so it's just $1. But algorithms like Google and Facebook can't optimize the loan approval process, right? It, it can only collect leads. It can optimize up to the leads funnel. What happens after they fill the lead and give the information is something manual. People checking the the loan uh, applications and figuring out if it's the right guy or like girl to kind of give the loan isn't algorithmic. So your measurement of cost per loan approved loans itself is wrong. You just should be just looking at how many, what is the cost per applications, right? So, uh, but the data is available for both. So it's the challenge is not the data, it challenges what to measure, what's the measurement framework. Then when you give that to the marketer saying that, you know, you know, cost per loan approval is high, they tend to make changes for the campaigns that might negatively impact the applications itself. So that, that is the challenge. Not having a measurement framework is the challenge. And I know you built measurement framework from scratch. So, so um, I, I wanted to go in a little bit deeper on it. Is Can you share a little bit of your thought process or methodology? Say, how do you build a measurable framework that actually accurately reflect? Like you say, yeah. the measurement was wrong just now. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, uh, see, uh, measurement frameworks uh, typically builds... Uh, it's first to understand the business well, right? So uh, if you really have someone 
in the business for a while uh, uh, who understands uh, the entire journey and at the same time who knows a bit of a marketing on how it works will really be will really help solve the problem immediately they can tell you exactly what to measure right uh, otherwise you really have to go down by yourself and try to map the entire journey of the business right meaning where does the product come from from supply chain to actually going in back to the customer right if you as a marketer can write it down of the entire journey of that product in your business you know the business then when you try to measure the impact of your marketing i'm pretty sure the way you measure it's going to be better it's different right so uh, do that exercise first before before coming up with a measurement framework i don't really want to give a very specific example for it because uh, it is very unique to for, for every business so understanding the business is a very key primary thing and then coming up with framework anybody can come with a framework as long as you understand the business uh, but coming up with framework isn't really uh, is the biggest challenge is adapting it right and convincing people to measure a new thing rather than an old thing was the was and is the biggest challenge you, you let's go to the example of the bank right so the ceo is measuring cost per loan approval as the marketing efficiency for 10 years you're saying hey no i'm going to only uh, measure the number of applications not the approved loans and the the first comment that ceo is going to make hey are you trying to make your life easier are you trying to make your job easier you're trying to escape from the responsibilities but in reality the algorithms of google facebook or the marketer sitting down and optimizing the campaign or the guy creating the creative or uh, a product manager who's trying to optimize the the flow of the website can't do anything beyond the loan application right so convincing the top guy and convincing the entire company is what it takes uh of it's what call implementing the framework coming up with it anybody can come up with it and <laughs> so it it took me a day because i had a really good folks in average to uh, uh to help me come up with the framework but it took me a year to fully implement it across all the markets what a comparison what a comparison oh what are <clears throat> so we we spoke now about actually this is like part of the challenges in your role I'm curious what are some of the challenges you you face in your role other than this or or this could be one of the bigger ones. So this is the I mean this is one of the biggest ones the other biggest ones is uh, which I've seen in the industry out there which fortunately I haven't faced is uh how much time the tech teams are spending on marketing. Right so uh it's very simple for algorithms to work properly you have to properly pass the data right for google and facebook algorithms uh, the ad campaigns algorithms to work really well for your business you have to pass the right data from your website all the events all the triggers uh a proper pass in a structured way to or from the app sdks maybe passed it to the platforms to work well right but it's not done by marketers it's done by the tech folks right and tech folks are in that cycle of 
enhancing the features, clearing out the bugs, doing experiments and stuff. And when you go and put your requirement in there, when then don't really see value, usually they don't because they they have different pressures of launching the features and products. Uh, and when uh, a, a marketing guy or a growth guy uh, can't talk the same language to the product forces, this is really important. Uh, and explain them why it's really important. It's probably more important than the feature that you're about to launch because it's impacting the marketing dollars and the efficiency of the business, right? So uh, the challenge in the industry is the the marketing growth, uh, marketing folks can't really articulate the problem to the tech folks. The tech folks don't really spend much time on marketing. That's where my role of growth uh, sitting between these two really helped for me uh, everywhere, uh, wherever I go, right? So I don't have those problems in Asia. I never had problems in, in Carson. So uh, I'm fortunate enough to not have those problems, but I've seen uh, a lot of problems where the root causes specifically this. I can definitely see that as, as you mentioned, you know, you started a computer science background, become a PHP developer, then your boss asks you the million dollar questions that set you all the way here. Yes. <laughs> it makes me wonder, and when you say this challenge, right, it makes you wonder, like, as as the trend goes, do you see actually marketers need to actually learn, um, you know, some form of coding or at least the language of coding in order to be able to to leverage that data and technology? Because if not, um, how would be, they be able to solve that being a, being a marketer that only speaks marketing language? I, I don't think marketers need to understand how to code. Uh, they just need to understand technology on how it works. I, if you really think about it, most of the product managers can't code, but they're building products, right? So uh, you just need to talk in that language of product and engineering folks and explain them why technically this makes sense, right? So, uh, I mean, if there are a lot of no code repositories and tools out there that you can do, uh, right? So, uh, I don't think coding is going to be a really particularly unique skill in the next five to 10 years. So yeah, I wouldn't spend time learning how to code. Now we're going to move into advice kind of sessions where we call it the lightning round. So we ha I have four questions for you. Are you ready? I think so. Awesome. So number one, what, what do you think are some of the most important skills that a marketer should have? It keeps evolving, right? So may, probably uh, uh, figuring out and crunching the data was the most important skill. Uh, uh, but now maybe prompt engineering in the next <laughs> uh, might be the important skill. And, and But the most important skill is to have uh, be curious and be empathetic to the consumer is, is the most skill, uh, most skill that I try to always uh, you know, hone and unpractice. What advice would you give to someone who is interested in pursuing a career in marketing? Uh, be curious. Uh, it, it's 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 not. Uh, I could do a course. You just have to keep learning. It's evolving so fast. So yeah, yeah, it, it, it doesn't stop. 
I, I, you know, following your LinkedIn post, I can see you keep evolving. Uh, uh, you definitely live by this philosophy. The question, what are the key data or metrics that you monitor when it comes to growth building? Oh, I, business metrics, not marketing metrics, basically. Uh, it, all the dashboards that I ever built for a marketing team has no marketing metrics, no clicks, no impressions, nothing. It's all business metrics. You already have that in your marketing platforms on and stuff, right? So uh, how do you use it and impact the business is something uh, uh, you should measure, not the other way around. I, uh, it's not specifically a marketing book. I, I like the book Hard Things About Hard Things by Ben Horowitz. Uh, I don't know. I don't think it's a marketing book, but yeah, I, I always... Uh, Keep going back to it, and you know, uh, it's an unusual source that gives me inspiration. Yeah, I really, really enjoy our pieces so much. Um, uh, so thank you so much, Ravi, for the sessions today. Where can our listener find you if they want to reach out and learn more about what you're up to? Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, firstly, and yeah, I mean, I'm moderately active on LinkedIn. Usually, my rants all go there. So you can try to follow me and all my socials are with the tag Ravi's book. So you can search in any socials. I use the same handle. So you might find me, but my most active on LinkedIn. Okay. We will definitely put on the links for all the listeners to get access to uh, on our page. Thank you so much for listening. If you find this valuable, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Also, please consider giving us a rating or leaving us a review because this really can help other listeners to find the podcast. You can find all the episodes or learn more about this podcast at was.ai. See you in the next episode.